Let's begin with a word of prayer. My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. Uh, before we dive in, I'd like to thank the people who have been listening on Spotify. You don't have access to this information, but I do. We have listeners in Pakistan, the Netherlands, Germany, the United Kingdom, and we have a group in Ireland who are listening regularly to our messages. And of course, we have more than 90% of our listeners come from the United States of America. But I wanted to do a shout out to our international listening community. So, there was a church where the pastor and the music director did not get along. It is not this church. And you know that I've been a pastor for 34 years, but I've also been a music director. So here's how the story goes. The first week after their argument, the pastor preached on commitment and how we should all dedicate ourselves to the service of God. The music director led the, led the song, I Shall Not Be Moved. The second week, the pastor preached on tithing and how we should all gladly give to the work of the Lord. And the director led the song, Jesus Paid It All. The third week, the pastor preached on gossiping and how we should all watch our tongues. And the music director led this hymn, I Love to Tell the Story. With all this going on, the pastor became very disgusted over the situation and the following Sunday told the congregation that he was considering resigning. The musician led the song, Why Not Tonight? As it came to pass, the pastor did indeed resign. And the next week he informed the church that it was Jesus who led him here and it was Jesus who was taking him away. And the music director led the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Now friends, I, I need to remind you, in fact, this is what they call bumper sticker wisdom, that Christians aren't perfect, they're just forgiven. Harvard did a study, I, I don't know if you read these things, but I do, Harvard did a study, and they traced 7,000 people over a nine-year period. And here's what they found out. People with the fewest personal relationships were three times more likely to die Where'd I get? than those with strong personal connections. Three times. In fact, people with bad health habits such as smoking, poor eating, obesity, or alcohol use, but who had strong social ties lived longer than the people who were lonely. Pastor John Osberg quips, it's better to eat Twinkies with good friends than broccoli alone. <laughs> Harvard researcher Robert Pullman notes that if you belong to no groups but decide to join one, you cut your risk of dying over the next year in half. Barbara Streisand might have said it best. People, people who need people, are the luckiest people in the world. And, and for those of you that are married, I don't know if you know this, but happily married people live longer than single people. Jesus knew this. We are people who need to be in relationships. However, 
people in relationships are still not perfect. I have very rarely made Vicky cry. And that breaks my heart. Now, Vicky could have said, that's it, you're out of here, Buster. But we work it out. We reconciled. No matter how kind and loving, considerate and caring, careful and conciliatory you are, you or your brother or sister will get hurt or do the hurting. Now, in psychology, we say when that happens, you are confronted with a decision tree. You don't just have one decision. You have a whole bunch of them you could make. I could admit my fault and restore a friend. I could admit my fault and lose a friend for a long time. I could admit my hurt if I'm on the other side and extend forgiveness. Or I could admit my hurt and leave the relationship. Or... Most people choose this one. I could do absolutely nothing. I could let it fester until it explodes, implodes, rots, or divides. Jesus says we should reconcile. Reconcile comes from the Latin. Of course it does. Re means back and conciliare means bring together. In fact, conciliare is the root word for counsel. Getting the group together to make decisions. We translate that word reconcile, to get back together. I've heard sermons where they only heard three out of the four steps Jesus left us in this teaching. I want you to hear that. There are not only three steps, there are four. And let's go over them together. If you're taking notes, step number one. If you have been offended, if there's been a sin committed or, or a harsh word, you go one-on-one -on -one to mend it. The Lord's Prayer reminds us, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. One-on-one. -on -one. And what does Jesus say? You'll restore a friend. It is scary to go to someone and say, that hurt me. And yet, we have to be forgiving if we expect God to be forgiving to us. Step number two is three to one. Enlist the aid of godly wise people and the goal is still to ask or extend forgiveness. Now why do you take two people with you? Well, I'd like to say that as a therapist, I wish I could do therapy like Dr. Phil. See, when I'm sitting across from a patient and I say, well, this is what I think you should do, that patient goes home and goes, well, he's just one person. I don't have to listen to him. They come back next week and they tell you why they didn't have to listen to you. And I tell them I'm going to charge them double. Dr. Phil tells a person what they have to do, and he's got an audience of 200 of his closest friends behind him going, Yay, Dr. Phil, that's exactly what that person should do. One voice multiplied by 200. Well, Jesus says, don't take 200, but take a couple. It's like an intervention. There's a, a, a sin, a hurt that needs to be reconciled, and we want to fix this. This is not a slap on the wrist. 
This is not a disciplinary action. This is a need to reconcile. What if the person refuses to reconcile? Step three, Jesus says, bring them before the congregation. Why? Because if we don't address it, it'll still exist in the congregation. I want you to think about that. Somebody hurts me, I say to my wife, that person hurt me. Somebody says to her, what's wrong with Doc? And she goes, oh, that person hurt him. They go, really? Then they go to the church council and they go, did you know that that person hit, hurt Doc? Not hit Doc, hurt Doc. And it goes on and on and on. And now the whole church is talking about an issue that needs to be resolved between Doc and that mythical person. This goal is still the same, to extend or receive forgiveness, to reconcile the relationship. Now, Jesus says very clearly that if the person refuses to reconcile, you remove them from the congregation and treat them like a Gentile or a tax collector. Now, I, I like the Holman translation better. He says, treat them like an unbeliever or a tax collector. That doesn't mean that we throw them out, bar the door, and they never come back. That means we start all the way back at the beginning with, do you know Jesus? Because when you know Jesus, reconciliation is the goal. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He left the 99 to go find the one, and now that person is the one. So the fourth step Jesus says, is treat that person like a tax collector or an unbeliever with the goal of reconciliation. It's the modern day equivalent of tough love. We are holding you up and supporting you and you are dragging the life and the resources out of our family or our friend group and we need to move you out so that when you realize what you've lost, and when you realize what you can have, you will come back and reconcile. You're forced out so that you can be welcomed, reconciled back. Now, there are some caveats here I want you to hear. And I, I've never heard a preacher address these before. So hopefully I'm not dipping my toe in the heresy pool, but I don't think I am. Jesus makes it very clear that the only sin you are allowed to address this way is one that was against you. If a brother sins against you, you are not the sin police for the body of Christ. The sins that people commit against others, against creation, against their employer, are between them and God. This formula is only... For when somebody sins against you. The second caveat is this. Before you go examining others, take a look at yourself. Take a look at yourself in the mirror. Because remember, we've talked about this almost all summer long. We need to remember who we were before we met Christ. And let's be honest. Even after we meet Christ, there's still sin in our lives. We need to extend 
and understanding for their imperfections as we ask others to understand our imperfections. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, before you remove the speck from your brother's eye, take the log out of your own. The third caveat is this. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 24, that if you realize you have an offense, a quarrel with somebody else on your way to the altar, leave your gift at the altar and go and reconcile with them. Before you come to God's table today, Jesus is reminding you that you need to reconcile to those around you. It's why I believe he put in the Lord's Prayer that forgiveness is as important for us to receive as for us to give. At the end of our communion service, we sing the first verse of Blessed Be the Tie That Binds. But I want you to hear the third verse. We share our mutual woes, our mutual burdens bear, and often for each other flows the sympathizing tear. Reconcile your heart to God today. John 3:16 and 17 reminds us that God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world might be saved, or today, let's use the word reconciled, to him. Or you might need to reconcile your heart to others. Maybe you know that you've uh, offended someone. Send a note. Make a phone call. Do a Facebook messenger. You might need to forgive or ask forgiveness. So we're going to have a time of silence between the end of the sermon and when we start communion for you to ask the Holy Spirit to call to mind anybody that you might need with whom you might need to reconcile. The last thing I want you to think about might be the most difficult. You might need to reconcile yourself to the church. You might need to confess your lack of support. Now I have a friend who says that as believers we need to give our prayers, our presence, and our pesos. Or I'm sure you've heard the one about your talents and your treasure. But are you giving all that you have to the church, making it available? You might need to confess your lack of evangelism. Lord, I'm coming to church like we talked about last week in the sermon, and I'm auditing, but I'm not really doing it for credit. You have neighbors, you have co-workers, you have family members that need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Have you invited them to church? You might need to lack to confess your lack of trust in God's plan for his family at Kings or for your home congregation. We're going to take a few moments of silence and then we're going to come to the table. Amen.